Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to Queer and Art Podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Kraft. You just heard a song by my next guest, Kenton Chen, who is a multi-talented artist and a friend of mine who I've gotten to learn about over the past couple months. And I was so excited I got to sit with him and chat with him about his life and his experience. I started this podcast because I really care about the visibility of queer artists in the world and having an opportunity to meet other queer artists and chat with them about their lives and their experiences I thought could be inspirational and educational towards other people who feel down and out as an artist because, you know, it's pretty tough to have the energy and abilities sometimes to go and do the things you want to do. So sometimes that reflects in the amount of episodes I'm posting. It started out being bi-weekly, but I've just decided to go with the flow and let inspiration hit. And when I meet new people or want to chat with new people, then I'll record an episode and then I'll post it and then it'll be out there for all y'all to listen to. So don't hate me for it. I do this for the love of it and I'm really enjoying meeting new people and reconnecting with some people. You'll hear more about that in future episodes. So thank you so much for staying here and listening to Queer and Art Podcast. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. So I am in my living room with someone who I actually didn't meet too long ago, who I am completely, especially after this week, enamored with. And you are just an insane talent. I haven't even said your name yet. Um, Kenton Chen. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I could go on and I will. So Kenton is a singer. I met him as an actor is there, I, I'm going to assume there's like a multitude of other things that you're good at um, or that you're, do, like, I'm sure you probably write your own music. I do. Right. I, I do. mean, that's another part I'm missing. Um, yeah. So tell me all the shit you do. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> whew, well, I guess uh, first and foremost, I would say I'm a singer. Um, but I got into singing because I wrote songs. Mm-hmm. Um and so, really, I would say my biggest passion is writing songs. Mm-hmm. Writing songs, performing songs that move people, that tells life in a different narrative, in a different perspective that we're not accustomed to. I think that, yeah, I mean, 
Yes. So there's a singing aspect of it. There's a songwriting aspect of it. And then acting has kind of been a newer venture for me. I've always acted, I guess, since high school, but that's like, you know, you're acting in high school plays and whatnot. But I just think anything that has the medium in which you're presented with narratives in front of you uh, is the stuff that I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. Anytime I can show somebody that that my story and my perspective is is more similar to yours than you think. And that by doing that, we connect to the same source of energy, um, I think is a success. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, singing, acting, writing. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you do all of those things. Oof, sorry, our door just slammed closed in my apartment. There are ghosts here, apparently, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Friendly, I come in peace. Um, but I will say that, you know, I went, just went to Kenton's show um, in downtown LA this week. And I brought a friend, my boyfriend, and he looked at me and he was like, um, so what's Kenton sound like? And I was like, I didn't really think of the question beforehand, but I was like, like... Ella Fitzgerald or something. And I think it connected to that because, well, one, you sing very jazzy or you sing jazz covers and standards and stuff, which I absolutely love. Um, And you have an amazing band, by the way. Thank you. Like, really good band. Um, But uh, you tell a story with your songs that... um, it, it really pulls you in very quickly. And I, I love to tell that. Di- like, for instance, I know it might sound stupid to you, but like when I'm watching like The Voice or like mm-hmm. American Idol, those are the people that stand apart for me are like the ones who are telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, do you consider yourself a storyteller? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I teach singing. And the biggest thing with my students is I always say, like, we can work on technique all day, all we want, and I can work on musicality. But the most important part of it and the thing that is your X factor is your storytelling capability. How well do you know yourself and how willing are you to expose your true self to your audience and allow that to move people? Mm-hmm. And it's tough. Yeah, I mean... I mean, like, there are times where I finish a show and I literally think to myself, like, I never want to do this again. I'm like, I'm so, because I'm so exhausted and it can be really painful, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because I have a tendency towards the dark side, Mm -hmm. that a lot of the stuff that I sing about are just incredible amounts of pain Mm -hmm. that we go through. I mean, I don't think it should be very surprising that I have experienced a lot of that as a queer artist is that we go through a lot of pain. And I think by virtue of living, we go through pain as well. But there's just so many layers and layers about that, that having to relive those experiences over and over and over again on stage in front of people, some of them who you don't know, is exhausting. Mm -hmm. But it's worth it. But usually after a show, I'm like, eh, I'm, d- I'm done for a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I noticed you, um, and I, while, when, it was, when I was watching the show, I was like, oh, I want to talk to Kenton about that. Because uh, you, you do sing a lot of, like, heartbreaking, heart, 
I don't know how to fucking say heartbreak it. Songs. Heartbreak songs, right? Yeah. And um, as another queer person and, and seeing a queer person up there, you know, fronting a band, fucking belting his brains out, you know, um, you can tell it's coming from a vulnerable place in your body and you're really opening up, like your fucking voice opens up and you're expressing it. And I mean, you get chills. I mean, I was just like tingling throughout the whole thing. And I, I wonder where that how that um, lives in you daily, if it's something that you just wait to express with your music that, I mean, I can imagine that's part of like the, like feeling exhausted after it just because you're really giving so much of yourself that way. Um, I don't even know where to begin asking questions about this because I'm just so curious about your point of view. So hit it. There's there's a lot, (laughs) there's a lot to dig into. I actually, I, I do find that very interesting because I think you've, you've known me through, yeah. you know, classes that we've taken together. Mm. Um, and so we actually don't really know each other that sure. well. Uh, so you actually do get to experience the more reserved side of me mm-hmm. and whatever front it is that, that, that I put up on a daily basis. And I think I do have that in the sense that it's actually really silly, but I... Um, I went to his Reiki healer the other day and she said something to me that was like so spot on, but really surprising is that she was saying like, okay, I get this sense, like your throat chakra. She doesn't really know very much about me. And she's like, your throat chakra. She's like, I can feel it open up when you sing, but when you go through life, it's shut tight. Mm -hmm. And that resonated a lot with me in the sense that I think I do that a lot. Mm. We go through life and I think a lot of it has to do with just protecting myself and, and just the way I was raised and the way that I've been taught that to be acceptable and to not get yourself into trouble, Mm -hmm. that you have to really protect your emotions and, and allow yourself to be seen as, you know, strong or whatever and and that you are not going to show any sign of weakness by having emotions i'm i mean i feel like i need to stop you because i i want to know where you're from a little bit about you know what it was like growing up and when you discovered your queerness Mm. is that what you identify as queer or is it anything else uh i would say more more nowadays i I do just say queer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think identity-wise, I see myself as a homosexual. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I've developed my personality. But that's not to say that I've never been attracted to anybody outside of a, you know, um, anatomic man or anything. Cisgender man, you know, yeah. cisgender man uh-huh. um and and that was and that was something that, that was very interesting because i just did a, a reading of a, a a musical workshop um that there uh that my friend is working on um in new york where it's these high school kids that are all discovering their sexualities and um and and one of the one of the things i realized is that i'm like oh my goodness i've i've been putting myself in this box on purpose, but unre- but not really realizing that purpose. They're like, I, I am a homosexual man. Like mm-hmm. I'm gay and all that type of stuff. 
And, um, but it doesn't mean that I couldn't fall in love with anyone. Uh, and I think that that is something that I want to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And the fact that also, I also think that if I were to fall in love with, let's say, a woman, mm-hmm. which I don't think is very likely, mm-hmm. but not to say it's impossible, but if I were to fall in love with a woman, I don't think that would change my identity as to how I see myself mm-hmm. as a gay man. Okay. Um, You're more like pansexual, not to label you. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah, yeah. You, you could say that. I consider myself gay. Okay. Like, I would, I would just say that. Um, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. Where you're born, where you're from, that's let's a, go. That's a whole other conversation. But, okay, I was born uh, in Irvine. Oh, yeah? California. Okay, I didn't know this, but keep yeah, going. Yeah, I am in, I'm an Orange County kid. No way. Mm-hmm. Job. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my parents. Uh, we should have played the game where I, like, guessed where you were from and, like, all, <laughs> like, all the things that, like, I thought you were. And then you, like, completely. Wait. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, you already you said Irvine, so it's that's all, all, it's all dimension. No, no. We got to keep going. Tell me, tell me, tell me. All right. <laughs> so I'm from Irvine. Okay. Um, my parents are from Taiwan. Okay. They, uh, they immigrated here with my sister, and then we grew up in Irvine. It was pretty conservative growing up. It's, it's very interesting to see the demographics now and what people think of you when you say you're from Irvine, because they're like, oh, well, you must have grown up with so many Asians. And, oh, really? You know, oh, yeah. I don't even know that. Um, but I was very waspy growing up. Uh, I, the homogenous world that we had, like, I think I was one of th- three or four Asians that I knew hmm. in elementary school. Uh, which started to get more and more diverse as I got older. So by the time I got to high school, then it was like, I think we were probably like 25, 30% by then. Uh-huh. But uh, it is interesting nowadays to talk about it because it's like, oh, I didn't even think about diversity as a thing. Uh-huh. Um, and we never really talked about how our experiences changed because of that. But um, I was raised in a very conservative household. Uh, my dad, what is a pastor? Oh my gosh! Um, so he now pastors a church in Taiwan. Okay. Um, it's a, I'm, I'm a little unclear on what that actual relationship is. So he doesn't live in uh, California anymore. No, my parents live in Taiwan. Oh. Yeah. Uh, they moved back when I was in college. Okay. So I, uh, yeah, gr- growing up in Irvine. Um, it was very conservative. I played violin. Uh-huh. Uh, and you play instruments. We didn't say that. I do. Um, I play violin and piano. I, I wouldn't say I'm proficient at either of them because I hardly practice as much as I should. <laughs> but, but they are ingrained in me. I think if you really pay attention to the way I sing, you can hear that I'm a string player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so grew up with that. I I probably realized I was gay probably around I would say probably eleven or something like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I was very very uptight, um, and I didn't come out really until I was like sixteen, fifteen, sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Did you go to like a music school or something like that? No, just public school. Okay. Uh, I went to public school, Irvine High. Oh. Um, yeah. Shout I, out Irvine High. <laughs> shout out Irvine High. I did choir and drama. It's like it, 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 the funny thing is like there it, it shouldn't be a surprise that I came out. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain people that like after college or whatever, like oh wow, you came. Like no, I was I was into the arts. I was always you know. <laughs> I was, I would say, I still think to this day, like I consider myself effeminate. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't consider myself flamboyant. Okay. And that's not necessarily, I don't even know if that, that like why or like if that means anything, but just in the sense that like, I think I just, I, I see myself like as having a more of a feminine energy, but not something that like is boisterously, Fierce. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in performance, that's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think because of my upbringing, being really religious and really um, always trying to make myself smaller to fit, mm-hmm. uh, I got used to this idea that my feelings and my emotions are actually dangerous and that it's a it's it's an advantage to me to keep them shut. Speaking, yeah. Speaking of what we were talking about earlier, uh-huh. um, but I think the past few years I've just been, I, an advantage. Yeah. Sorry, I think that's really interesting. Like thinking that not expressing yourself is like an advantage to surviving or to fitting in, or what is that? Yeah, so as to not call attention to yourself. Yeah, and I always hesitated in talking about this openly. Because I feel like there is a certain amount of shame, both sides, shame of the emotions and then shame that I'm ashamed mm-hmm. of the emotions because like, oh gosh, I'm better than this. I don't have blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, I think there's a certain amount of anger that I've had towards that ingrainedness in me mm-hmm. that I'm like, why do I feel like my emotions are dangerous? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel like being attracted to somebody makes me creepy? Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and that's something that I think I've continually started to work on in the past like two, three years and just really trying to like be more open about who I am and getting myself into more queer spaces and, um, just surrounding myself with people that are much more uh, assertive mm-hmm. about just their emotions and their attractions and everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's been it's been really great. Uh, I think I, there there is a certain amount of like embarrassment that has taken me so long, but I feel like everybody's on their own journey and like you know we're we're getting through it because I'm just like oh my god like I. I, I came I came out to my parents um, only just a couple years ago mm-hmm. um, after I've been out since I was 16, you know? I don't think that whatever... I'm guessing your age, and I, I don't... I think you can give yourself a break, you know? Not that I'm the person who allows people to take their time to come out of the closet or, or to, you know, to have those those conversations with themselves, but... 
you did it, you know, you did it before your deathbed. So that's good. It's yeah. I I don't think, yes. I think there's a frustration because I think I, I want to take control of my life. And for me, so much of what I, what I want to do in life is about taking control. And I, this has actually been a really big thing of mine in that in my art and my life and all this, it's, it's realizing that I have to take control. Mm-hmm. I have to create the narrative. I, I get to be in charge of my life and not be ashamed of the things and walk through and let people, society, whatever, dictate who gets to be in charge, mm-hmm. who gets to decide where I belong. It's, it's, it's such a strange thing to, 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 to think about that. I, I just did a shoot recently where I walked onto set and I thought that I was going to be, it was a commercial, but I, I thought that I was going to be the person on the side that's play the best, you know, friend that like says like a word. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, Hey, you're in the wrong spot. I was like, Oh, they're like, you need to stand like straight in front. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, and it's Sandra O oh talks about this too. It's it was such a realization of like, oh, cool. Oh, okay. I'm actually at the center of this. Oh, cool. I'm at the. Why didn't I think that? Mm-hmm. Wow. Take your rightful place, babe. It, it, and it's this thing where I'm like, oh, like if I'm not going to assert myself there, nobody's going to assert me there. It's my job to put myself in positions where I am valued. And it's my job to show you that I am powerful, that I am desirable, that I am worthy of being here. It's because who else is going to do it? And if I allow other people to dictate that, then of course I'm going to always be on the sidelines for the rest of my life, in my own life. I get that, and I hear you, but I also think it's important to know that you without knowing that you believe that that's your job and like that's what you're supposed to show people, I think that people see it without you having to show them anything, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I know that it might not feel that way. I feel I can completely relate, you know, especially yeah. as a queer person, you know, just mm-hmm. feeling like I have to show that, you know, like having that energy. But I think goodness, what's it? Like light shines brightest in the dark or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. like all those kind of things. I think that people, I don't, I, I, um, what's my point? My point is that I, I know that about you without you having to show that to me, you know? I don't know about everyone else, but I can say as like someone who's, you know, seen, I mean, as of this week is the first time I got to see you perform live in person, but like I knew all that kind of stuff. It's just about continuing to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, which might be the same thing. But I, 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 I would say, yeah, you know what I mean? Like um, how special it is for me to see another queer person singing in front of a band that all these people have come to see, you know, makes me very happy, you know? Um, and uh, I just want to thank you for that because I think that that's really, really cool that you're out there doing that. And another reason why I wanted to talk to you like this and, and have this conversation because I want to know what's running through your mind <sighs> as you're, you know, up there, uh, 
singing these songs and being vulnerable and, and saying, you know, this is about heartbreak and stuff like that. Cause you know, that sends the audience into their own heads about what you're singing about mm-hmm. pulls us in, in that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, how, what's your biggest challenge as a queer performer, let's say queer singer, what you're, for instance, that my greatest challenge as a queer singer. That's, that's really interesting. Um, because I I don't know that I would consider myself a queer singer. Okay. I would consider myself a singer yeah. that has a queerness about him. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that's something that to me feels like a label, but I you know, I, I mean, yes, I'm queer and I feel very, very proud of that. Um, but I think where where it is a challenge for me is that a lot of the places that I sing are not traditionally queer spaces. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, ha, I, I haven't yet. I, I don't do a lot of the clubs, you know, and I'm coming from this jazz world, mm-hmm. a place that is pretty misogynistic. Mm-hmm. So is automatically then homophobic, you know? Yeah. It, there just, there isn't a lot of, there aren't a lot of us in this world. Not to mention, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of queer people and there's not a lot of Asians really just in the jazz space. Mm-hmm. And I have different worlds in which I sing as well. You know, I've been doing some stuff with Portugal the Man and singing back up for a lot of pop bands and whatnot. In that space, there's a lot more mm-hmm. uh, openness about sexuality in that space. Um, but I say just in terms of where I where my home was, where my education was, where, you know, I went to school for jazz. Uh, it's, it is very interesting to constantly be pushing those boundaries of, do I show my sexuality more? You know, choosing in, 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 the, in the Blue Whale set, like I chose to sing songs that were very obviously gay influenced. You know, I... I sang a Robin tune that's right. clearly talking about like, you know, call your girlfriend cause, mm-hmm. cause it's me now, you know? And like things that like in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is, this is the world that you're creating and it's just as valuable. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting because I also, I don't interact in a lot of queer spaces, I would say. Um, yeah, and I don't know, I'm trying to do that more, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's just in terms of, I mean, there's so little time in the day, I basically would have to like find more, you know, just like make myself go to different, I used to play dodgeball. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was, I was big into dodgeball for like two years mm-hmm. in WeHo, and then eventually I just fell off because it was really hard to keep up that whole world and then also my job and then also singing and then also acting. And it just, I was getting burnt out. So finally I was like, I have to stop doing this. Also mm-hmm. I have to stop drinking, but yeah, there, there just was a lot. So I'm not exactly sure what my point was, but there was somewhere I was going with that. Yeah. You're just, ch- your challenges of, Oh, right. Of being a singer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, it, I do go through a life in a lot of, with a lot of walls and I, and, and having to be in front of people and vulnerable is I think the hardest part of it. I think there's so many aspects of me. I'm very technical. I'm very, uh, I, I listen a lot when I sing and 
I'm constantly thinking about like what is the piano player playing? What is uh, what are the drums doing? And what hits can I land on? And and I just have to let that go. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in the moment, I just have to go with the impulse. And so to be impulsive and to get to that point is really tough and emotionally exhausting. And I would say I'm always searching for that one moment in every performance that then makes it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe that me at my best, I'm no longer there. Mm-hmm. That when I'm fully in a song and I'm fully in the moment, I forget where I am. And in that time, it's almost like this, it's, it's this energy in the room and, and I can see it and I can feel it and I can feel everybody and their stories and their lives just funneled into this energy that feeds into everybody's experience. And my job is not to manipulate any of that energy, but to literally filter it through me Mm -hmm. and to just spit it back out at you. Mm -hmm. And when I do my job, you're not gonna see me. You're gonna see you. And you're just going to feel everything that's coming, what you think is out of me, which is really just you. Mm. Um, Interesting. It's, it's really heady. But did you get that from somewhere or like did, no, you, did that just come from you? No, I, it's, so I was in college, I was in a bunch of acapella groups mm-hmm. and I remember someone saying to me, it's like, oh man, just like watching you. And at the time I was super insecure and he's like just watching you on stage like there's something about you in real life you're like so like uptight and like (laughs) neurotic and crazy and then on stage all of a sudden you let go and you just become this different person Mm -hmm. and I remember I think uh, it was my friend Dan and he basically was saying he's like it's just it's this x factor and you can't even when you're not singing the solo, I can't take my eyes off you. You're not trying to get attention, but there's something happening right there. And I started thinking about that over my years of then learning jazz and doing all of that. I'm like, what is it? What is it about me that makes me so magnetic? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's that. It's that I'm constantly trying to get away from myself. I'm trying to get into this experience where I don't have to think about me and I don't have to be insecure about that. And I think the the real irony of that is that in order to get away from myself, I actually have to fully accept everything that I am. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's that challenge of when I'm on stage, how can I be the most present so that I'm no longer there? Yeah. No, I'm just kind of la- smiling to myself right now because I'm, I'm just imagining... You're, you're describing yourself as a neurotic person, and I can totally guess that you would describe yourself as that. <laughs> but um, I also love the idea of a neurotic kind of um, perfectionist kind of person going on stage and being a, a, a singer because there's a certain magic that happens during live performance of pretty much anything mm-hmm. that this could go horribly wrong mm-hmm. and there could be something that is like, th- you know, something that you didn't expect to happen that throws you off. So you're really throw someone who's a perfectionist neurotic person mm-hmm. daily throwing themselves into a situation where they're having to surrender to the moment of, okay, we rehearsed, we did all this. We, I know what they know, but here we go. You know what I mean? 
And there's something, I, I mean, that's why I love theater. That's why I love live mm-hmm. performance because mm-hmm. there's that element of that. And there's something that you see about a person who is brave enough mm-hmm. to, to do that, you know? Um, the more I, I sometimes get a little in my head about it because the, I feel like, oh, you know, I studied theater my whole life and just performing. And I feel like the longer I stay away from performing, the more and more I won't, I'll be away from that bravery, that feeling of mm. surrender and feeling of like, fuck it, let's do it, you know, and that, that, that passion. And I wonder if, you know, that's, that's part of the drug for you, you know, the, of performing and singing is that it, it, you have that stuff that you're constantly controlling or, you know, not controlling, but you know, you, you, the neurotic sensibility to then be like, okay, here, I'm, I'm doing this now, you know? I'm a control freak. <laughs> I am a huge control freak. And when I'm on stage, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can't control anything. Yeah, you really can't. And there's something that really guy's beautiful. playing the piano, he's doing the drums, you know, the lights are going, I guess, the sound's on, hopefully. Yeah, I can't tell you what to do. I can't just stop and do, you know, do a do over. Mm-hmm. I can tell you at my performance, and this is a real vulnerable moment for me to admit, I completely fucked up the words of this one song and I was just like in the wrong spot I didn't know where I was I like literally didn't know where I was I was like I don't know what happened I had a sip of wine maybe it was the wine I was like I don't know what's happening and I just went into it happens this, right and I went into this state of just like okay just listen mm-hmm. just listen surrender you'll find yourself mm-hmm. and I did and it was this moment where I just was like well I couldn't control that I'm never gonna get that moment again mm-hmm. But listening to it back, which because I recorded the performance, I was like, oh, wow. I made some really interesting choices that I would never have made. I mean, I don't know what song you're talking about, but I mean, there were so many songs I was just like, bitch, like screaming. Like everyone around me was just like flailing their arms at you. Like, I mean, you mentioned that you you come from a jazz world and stuff, which I believe you, of course, but like you do have a... a some influence from pop, I mean, or oh, yeah. R&B. Oh, like, yeah. there's, there, it is there. Like, you are doing insanely intricate runs and, like, just, you know, hitting notes a, an octave higher than they, you know, should are. Yeah, I don't know how to describe yeah. this stuff, but, like, it's amazing, you know? And um, I, of course, am, like, a gay, you know, theologian at this point, and I just like to think, like, is this a parallel of, you know, saying that you're, you are one thing to, as to not box yourself into something. Is that a parallel to the queer experience that you are, you've lived? I don't know if you want to go into that at all, but. Absolutely. I, I've done a lot of work with this. What are the similarities, you know? Yeah. I've done a lot of work with this band called Postmodern Jukebox Mm -hmm. and it's, they're, they're basically a jazz cover band, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, and my, initial introduction to them was all up was just this very square my first solo with them was uh we did closer chain smokers and i'm in this like pink jacket mm-hmm. and i'm like cute as a button mm-hmm. and i'm like doing all these cute moves and stuff and then over time i started to assert this idea of like you don't know what i am you can't put me in a box because the next thing i did was the other closer by um uh nine inch nails nice and, you know, I like, I'm doing like weird humpy moves and whatnot. 
granted, we did have to censor some stuff because of the audience, but it's what I realized when I was on tour with them is, you know, the way you look at me, the way you see me, if I'm just carrying myself out in the world, and part of it is me playing into it, but there is this idea of what I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. that I'm going to be meek, that I'm going to be sweet, that I'm going to be uh, naturally more uh, effusive mm-hmm. uh, and just compliant with you. And more and more now with my art, I, I want to challenge that notion. I want to challenge that notion of, yes, I can put on a suit. Yes, I can go and do this jazz show. And then I can turn around. I live on a drag race mm-hmm. track, so. It's yeah. Not the RuPaul's drag race track, but, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the car one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Fast and the Furious is filmed here. Yeah, so. thank you. Thank you, Vin. Okay, next. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, I really, I feel like a lot of my job is to challenge that notion of what I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I have done so many auditions and meetings and uh, consultations with different producers for certain reality shows. I don't want to name which ones, but... I want to know. Tell me later. Yeah, I'll tell you later. But who have come to me and been like, we just want you to be you. We want you to be you. And then last minute, they're like, yes, but can you wear a suit? Mm-hmm. Yes, here's a bow tie. I've heard this kind of story before. Right. And they're like, well, we, know, we don't know how to package you if you are just going to wear a tank top. I'm like, how about just me? Yeah. You know? And I get that you need to put us in some sort of box. And you need a narrative so that we know what we are. Mm-hmm. But, what, as a, but that's not artistry. That's um, yeah. storytelling in the sense of reality television. Mm-hmm. You have to sell one story in what you're telling. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to be an artist, mm-hmm. we have to be able to tell multiple stories. And I have to be able to tell you that I can put on this suit and tell you a sweet story. And I can tell you about the moment that was tender to me that I still dream of about someone that I once loved and that I no longer have. Mm. And then I want to be able to turn around and sing you this song about how we're going to fuck because I can, because that is all about, that is all a part of the human experience and it doesn't take away my class. It doesn't take away my power to be able to lean into those and say that, yes, I do have the right to be flamboyant. I do have the right to be sexual. And in the coming of age of YouTube, I, there was a lot of stuff I was that I've seen in comments and stuff that people have said, a lot of people celebrate it, which thank you for that. I, I love that. And then there's people that like feel the need to come on and comment about how gay I am, how sexual I am, how this song was meant to be so blah, 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 and I just had to go in and put my sex on top of it. Okay. <clears throat> and it's like, I, that's your problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. But also, it, I think it shows a lot in the sense that, oh, well, thank you for that comment because that tells me that it is important what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because me putting my sex on top of... Uh, this Christmas, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> is like, which is like, I, I'm not, first of all, I'm not meaning to put my sex on top of it. That's just me. Oh, really? Trying to get all slutty with Christmas? Right. Really? And, and it's like, <laughs> if you listen to the words, you're like, actually, 
That song is really sexual. Stop. Stop. It is. <laughs> and you think about it and you're like, okay, if anybody else did that, you would not be annoyed. Well, I had, um, I went to school for musical theater and I had this, this teacher say to us, because, you know, there's so much time spent in musical theater school. I don't know if you know this, like, where they do, like, scene song interpretation class where yeah. they just like sit and talk about what songs mean all the time. There's yeah. this one like guest teacher that came in and was like, listen, I don't know what the fuck they teach you in this school, but I'll tell you one thing and you guys better remember this. Every single song is about sex. Ha! And like, he might be wrong. Like I, everyone in the class is like, no, that's not true. But like, there was something about that idea that I just started to like, take his theory on it and like examine certain songs and be like, oh yeah, like it is kind of, or like, um, you know what I mean? So I'm hearing you about your This Christmas is kind of about sex story because uh, I think there's some sort of passion behind that that comes from singing because singing is weird, right? Like what are we doing? We're like out of nowhere. I mean, it's beautiful. We love it, but like it is like kind of weird, right? We're the only animals (laughs) in the, we're the only animals that like, create songs to sing not to mate right you know and it's it's speaking of which you know every mating song is about sex so mating song i never even thought about that connected to that interesting right and i think he's right every song is about sex yeah. but it's not not sex in the sense that like oh like we're going to bone sex right but it's about intimacy it's yeah. about connection it's yeah. about reaching someone to a point in which your souls combine. Mm. And in that sense, that is literally every song. We're, all we're trying to do is connect with each other, mm-hmm. whether that's physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever. Yeah. You know? I mean, when it comes to... T- please tell me if this is too personal, but, like, are you... Who are you singing to, you know? I mean, I'm sure it depends, but... Uh, that changes for every song. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it'll change mid song. The, the the way that I kind of technique wise, I guess the the way that I see my songs is I'm always singing to a character, a person. Mm -hmm. It, it, It could be a real person. Sometimes it is most of the time it is someone from my past or present. Uh, but I think where the big difference, what I try to get my students to understand too is, is the person that I'm singing to, and I think what we often forget as as singers and sometimes actors, is that when you're performing to somebody mm-hmm. and me talking to you, you're literally having a reaction to what I'm saying right now. Mm-hmm. And that changes how I sing. That changes how I speak to you, right? right? So when I have these interactions with people on stage, they shift. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I'll be singing to someone and they leave. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. And then somebody else comes into the frame. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll be singing about love and there's nobody there because I'm singing to the person in the front row and I can see that they understand what I'm talking about. So, yeah, I think it it depends on the song. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, something I want to explore with Queer and Art Podcast is just where we let our relationship with our queerness exist in our art, you know, and, and how important it is. I think you feel this. I mean, you've kind of mentioned it a couple of times about how the 
the visibility of what you're doing is um, worth it and that, you know, not being closeted. I mean, sitting here and talking to me Mm -hmm. just speaks volumes about, to me, you know, what, what you're, um, that you're comfortable discussing these kinds of things. So I want to, I kind of want to dig a little deeper and into it, you know, like I want to know the challenges of, of being a queer singer who is also, you know, in another minority and, all this, the, the the things being stacked up on top of you, plus the competitive nature. I don't even know what the hell it's like to be a performer in this city and getting gigs, like how you do that and what it takes. And also like the risk factor, you know, of being yourself and, you know, all that kind of shit. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I'm not sure what part to answer first. Um, yeah, that was a lot. Um, <laughs> I would just, you know, start with the challenges of... Yes. Um, as a double minority, I guess you could say. Okay, yeah. I... Ooh, it's a lot. I think... Listen, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I probably wake up three times every... Like, three times a week and think to myself, like... Mm, Life would be so much easier if I did something else. Like, this is tough. Mm-hmm. Ugh. You know, but, but the thing that brings me back to it is this idea that it's, it's not really my job. Like, like, it's not up to me to decide what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's, I have a purpose, and it's going to happen whether or not I want it to happen. And so my job is to just make it quicker and make it more efficient and to get out of the way mm-hmm. of, of the narrative, the story and the lives that I am meant to touch and, and, and change and see. And, and that my music often will reach people that I don't even know and, and even think. And, and by then it's out of my hands. So the best thing I can do is just continue to create and to continue to find opportunities. Yes. And in that sense, since I was little, I've always felt like I am a vessel. I am meant to perform. I'm meant to do this stuff, even though I ran away from it for a long time and had an office job and like was a math major and blah, 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 blah. Like it always comes back to this. Right. And I've always had this sense that like, I have to, I have to tell something. I have to, I have to be a voice in this world because there are people who haven't been reached, people who need to hear this. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting because I think for the longest time I kept feeling that need. Like I have to say something, I have to say thing, but I don't know what it is, but I have no idea what I'm trying to say, but I know I need to say something. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people can relate to that artists, mm-hmm. writers, and singers, and whatnot. I think we, we all can relate to that feeling of, I need to say something. What I've come to realize in the past three years is that message is becoming clearer and clearer in my life. 
and that I have a responsibility to the art to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And that the more I hone in on who I really am and the more I hone in on how to be the strongest, most grounded individual, then that message becomes clearer and clearer and I know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I were to make a thesis about my life and my journey, I think that I am living proof that you are not defined by your history. Boom. Snaps. To make it short. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of things in my life that continue to and used to uh, want me to stay put Mm -hmm. and want me to be small and want me to... Um, get a job that is safe and want me to get married and settle down and do, you know, do something that is, that is great for a lot of other people. But so far, everything in my life, every time I try to do that, it falls apart, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and then I get super unhappy. And then I realize like, oh my goodness, like I'm not, I'm not supposed to be doing that. I, I have to, the more I fight against this life that I'm meant to be living, the more pain and suffering I'm just going to put myself through. Mm -hmm. So I think in embracing that, every time it gets challenging, every time it gets hard, my friend Daisha taught me this. I I just have to tell myself, like, I get to, you know, I I get to wake up this morning and tell a story, whether or not I get that part. Mm -hmm. I, I get to go to Blue Whale tonight and sing my heart out, even though I'll probably fuck up. You know, and and like I'm incredibly grateful to the people who have supported me over that time and incredibly grateful to the crowd that was just there. You know, people that I don't really know. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of people that listen to my art and I have no idea about their lives and I have no idea who they are. And the fact that I can still reach them is something that I think is so beautiful and deserves so much credit. Like it deserves so much gratitude from me. And, and the fact that that is happening means that one, I'm on the right path. And two, like, I need to shut the fuck up about my own problems. Like, you know, like if I'm having trouble, which I did this morning, you know, I was like, uh, after this session, I'm singing this song and I'm like having issues and la la la. And then my mind goes to that place, you know, it's like, Oh, you're never going to get hired again. You'll never, you know, I'm like, you know what? That's not up to you. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact is, somebody wants you for this job. Somebody wants your voice. Somebody wants your talent for this. Do your job. Mm-hmm. And then just leave the rest. Who cares if they don't use it? Who cares if they don't like it? That's what you're here to do. That's what you're meant to do. And great. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I mean, look, I hear everything you're saying and I, I am appreciating it and understanding what you're saying. I'm just happy that you can still use all of that to fuel the fantastic raw trained talent that lives in you because it's so good. I mean, that's, you know, you could throw that out if you want to, but your, your talent is, is fucking undeniably good. And all of the stuff that lives in your soul and your heart and your head that's running through your mind all the time, wonderful. You know, keep it. Because 
I think it, it is helping you get to the promised land of whatever you know, that's going to be. And at first I was like, am I going to keep telling, do I want to tell Kenton, you know, like he's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause you know what? You might not, you know, there might be, not? not that I'm like the, the soothsayer of like right. all things in the future, but like, I definitely want to, um, just to, uh, acknowledge the fact that like you are, very, very talented and you're different. I mean, I mean that with full love that it's just so nice to see someone with that like jazz undertone with the queerness that is kind of around you just, and I know that because I know you and that's, that's part of it, but how important that is in this time right now and how your visibility, you might not feel it yet, but it, it is noticed. And I, want to help you do that too in, in any capacity I can just because it's that is something that's important to me and, yeah. and, and, and just building a community of friends and, and people that are share my likeness you know and yeah. not, I'm not even just talking about the LGBTQ plus spectrum world I'm talking just artists which I think that you are um, so thank you Kenton yeah. um, I'm uh I have lots I want to keep talking to you about, but we've run almost to our time and I can't let you go until I'm taking out my phone to ask you my oh, yes. James Lipton-y <laughs> questions. Um, I've heard you do this before <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, I want to prepare stuff. Oh no, did and you? And legitimately, I have no idea what you're going to ask. Okay, fabulous. I, I was going to say, you're off. not allowed to prepare um, even though if you did, it'd be cool. Um, yeah, there's also 20,000 dogs in this area. Um, you know, it's the sound effect that lives in this podcast. I, I, what am I going to do? All right. Kenton Chen, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite word? Oh, my God. Um, genuflect. Ooh. Genuflecting is when you use your hands, right? Um, oh God, it's, did it's, I really? It's 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 like it's like bowing. It's showing oh. reverence too. Okay, wait. What am I thinking? I don't. Oh, uh, gesticulate. gesticulate. Oh, I'm fucking idiot. All right. Um, no, it's like literally. I. It's from a book I read. It's uh, the bluest eye, Toni Morrison. I read it like in like gosh in elementary school or something. I don't know. Maybe high school. And I. Uh, it just really stuck with me, that word. I don't know why. Okay, smarty. Um, all right, least favorite word. Oh, um, actually, I, I think people would disagree with me on this, but faggot. Okay. What inspires you most? Ooh. Um, people embracing their power. People like Janelle Monet and... Uh, Donald Glover I just when you see them at that pinnacle it's it's infectious and it's titillating I don't I don't have this question in here but I'm just curious like who's your dream collab oh well Beyonce okay but I mean I feel like that's uh, that's so basic no it's not <laughs> I love that I would like die to like breathe her air um, okay what's your favorite emotion Ooh, my favorite emotion is safety. Okay. 
Is that an emotion? I don't know. It's a feeling. Mm-hmm. Safe. My Safe. Fe- um, yeah, I think it's... Is that a, yeah, quietness, quiet and safe. I'm going to take it. Okay. I'm going to, I, I kind of like that answer for you. Okay. <laughs> not that this is like a judge, I'm judging if yeah. I like your answer or not, but like. I mean, it's a gut reaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. At first I was like safety, but now I'm like, oh, yeah. safety. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? What turns me on creatively, spiritually, and emotionally? Um... Literally, like, authenticity. Uh, Huge. Yeah. Like, when you see someone just being super authentic, it's just so, um, it's addicting. And you're like, I want that. Yeah. I want that. Uh, I want to do that. I can do that. It's, it's attractive, for sure. Yeah. Um, what turns you off? When somebody is clearly in love with themselves. Mm. And, and that's not... I think it's good to love yourself. Being in love with yourself is different. I mm. think when, when a person's ego comes through, mm. when someone acts and you know they're like, oh, I'm good. When someone sings and they're like, listen to this run I can do. Oh, uh, and I'm just like, you are so good and I am so bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, if you could have dinner with any artist, living or dead, who would it be? Beyonce. Oh, I guess that is like that's not the same collab question. No, no, pick a different person. Okay, okay, okay. If I could have dinner yeah. with anybody, Oprah. Okay. Yes. If you just turn to your left there, you'll see my Oprah 20th anniversary DVD box collection. Oh. I am an avid fan. Unfortunately, they don't have every episode on DVD on that, that in that case I would own it too, but um they don't. And okay, another question. What do you want to be remembered for? Being kind. Mm. You are so kind. You're super nice. Um, I keep responding to every answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I never usually do that. I don't know why I'm doing it right now. Okay. What is your favorite part about being queer? My favorite part about being queer is, is, the, is, is freedom. I think if I weren't queer, I would have never experienced the freedom that I do now. Um, and just being forced out of my own perspectives of everything. What is queer? Uh, queer is anything that is not homogenous. I would say, yeah, queer is powerful. It's sexy. It's authentic. It's... It's this energy that anybody can embrace, but certain ones of us were uh, more prone to because of certain things like sexuality and whatnot um, that we once we embrace it, then we can fully utilize the power that we have. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You kind of like, that was kind of a good summary of like pretty much everything you just said <laughs> this whole time, you know? Um, which brings me to me saying thank you so much for doing this with me, sitting with me. I'm literally dripping sweat right now. I am so sweaty. Um, and while I stick this microphone in your face and... 
Um, I really encourage, I will probably play some clips of your singing, um, maybe some videos too, um, with this episode. But I strongly encourage everyone listening to check your music out. Um, You've got some new stuff coming out soon, yeah? And stuff, yeah, stuff coming out very soon. Music videos, new singles, some stuff that might have Frankie in it. Really? Well, you heard it here first. (laughs) So, yeah, where can they go check you out? Uh, you can go to my website, kentonjen.com. Probably Instagram, to be honest, mm-hmm. is the best place that I post things because I'm not good at my website. <laughs> if anybody is good at websites, let me know. Um, yeah, and I, I, just, I just post that shit up all the time. And uh, I have a YouTube channel that I'm going to be better about. And I'm going to post stuff, okay? Oh God, you really should do more of that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I need, I need to. Um, I just need to actually make time for it. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And thank you for being visible and, and being in the world doing this and not hiding yourself away and keeping us all from your beautiful talent. Oh, thank you. It's, it's a pleasure being here. <laughs> and honestly, like this podcast is so important and I'm Aww. so, so grateful to be on it. Well, it's because of people like you, boo. So thanks. Mwah. Mwah. Bye. Bye. There you have it. Thank you so much, Kenton, for chatting with me, hanging out with me, allowing me to get to know you better and sharing so much about your experience as an artist, a singer, a writer. Love you so much. If you want to learn more about Kenton, you can find him on his Instagram at It's Kenton or at Bridesman. You can follow Queer and Art at Queer and Art on Instagram, queerandart at gmail.com or me, Frankie Craft, at Frankie Craft. Also, I would deeply appreciate if you rate subscribe, comment, like, share, do all those amazing things that help support the podcast. Theme music by Joy Polari. This podcast is brought to you by Sammy Girl Productions. Thank you all so much for listening. Please stay tuned. There's lots more coming. If